0: This podcast is brought to you by AG3D Printing. You can check us out at www.ag3d-printing.com. And if you want to help support the podcast, uh, go to our Amazon link on either this week's episode or any episode and on the homepage at todayinspace.net forward slash home. And do your shopping online as usual. costs you nothing and helps support the podcast. In space. Today, today in, space. in space. Hello again, everybody, and it is let's see here, September seventh or September eighth, Wednesday night or Thursday morning. We're back after the long Labor Day weekend. I Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, I know I did. Uh, it was a it was a well. Much needed, restful, just relaxing, have fun, do nothing weekend. Uh, I can't tell you how much I needed that. (laughs) So uh, that was great, but now we're back. We're back here at work. And uh, what a fucking week since the last time we had a show. A lot has happened. And we're going to dive headfirst. Headfirst into the most really most talked about thing probably on the internet for for space that uh happened last week and it's one of those events that we've talked about a few times on the show that other than landing on the moon and landing on other planets whether it be a rover or not that space travel and just space hits the news and hits the masses And that happens during the failures of space travel and business. And this time it happened in the form of SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket, the Ammo 6 mission, exploding on the launch pad. And so what we're going to go through here is the facts based on what SpaceX has said, based on their their, uh, updates. And just go through those because you may have only glanced at it. You may have only seen a video of it, which I think is what most people's exposure is. It is, is the the incredible video of of the rocket exploding. It's it's really something else. But we're going to go into all of it. What does it mean? All that stuff. So. Here we go. All right. So on. What day did it happen here? All right. Well. On September 1st, uh, around uh, 10 in the morning, there was an explosion on the launch pad during a static fire test. Now, a static fire test is something that's done pre-launch a few days before, uh, in SpaceX's case, and is done throughout the industry for a specific purpose, is to make sure that the health of the rocket is good. So during the procedure a lot of things happened in this case they were loading propellant into the vehicle and during these kind of procedures the standard operating procedure is that all personnel clear the pad and it's for this reason of this incident that happened that they do that so no one was injured you know uh whenever they do these kind of things people are not around uh for the exact reason, the the rocket exploding. So uh, this is a good thing. Uh, The bad thing is Ammo 6, the the satellite itself, and a a bunch of other customers that were on board, including one of Facebook's um, satellites that was going to, uh, the first one that was going to give Internet to different areas of the country, uh, the, the country, the world that don't have internet access. It was one of their first. So they took a hit, but that's space travel. That's what happens when you do things that are crazy, like launching a rocket into space. These, these things are hard for a reason because we're not even supposed to be doing them. Um, you know, and as space travel, rockets, They are hard. They are difficult. And I think the thing that even goes further is they're in front of everyone's eyes when you fail. You know, they're in front of everyone's eyes when we succeed, but it's the failures that are the hardest, the most sought after, especially. I mean, if you wanted haters, look no further for haters than incidents like this. You know, I, I can only assume there are thousands of articles out there written about how Elon Musk is is a failure, how SpaceX has has gone down, you know, how could they do this? Um, you know, uh, what is this going to do? What kind of shock or blow is this going to do? I mean, I can guarantee you, I mean, I have nothing to back this up, but I can guarantee you that everyone at SpaceX, the minute, uh, at, what is it, nine oh one, nine oh seven Eastern time, During the pre-launch static fire test, when that happened, everybody dropped what they were doing and started figuring out what happened. I don't think anyone there left the office all weekend. They probably still haven't left the office. Those people have been sleeping there, doing shifts, working through the clock to figure out what happened. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky, Uh, you know. One of the things is SpaceX has stated in its most earliest, earliest updates, and I'll read the most recent one from September 2nd at 6.45 p.m. They do not say that there was something wrong with the rocket. They say there was an anomaly on the pad. So I'll go over, I'll quote directly what SpaceX's... Update is. So September 2nd, 6.45 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. SpaceX has begun the careful and deliberate process of understanding the causes and fixes for yesterday's incident. We will continue to provide regular updates on our progress and findings to the fullest extent we can share publicly. We deeply regret the loss of Amos 6, and safely and reliably returning to flight to meet the demands of our customers is our chief priority. SpaceX's business is robust, with approximately 70 missions on our manifest worth over $10 billion. In the aftermath of yesterday's events, we are grateful for the continued support and unwavering confidence that our commercial customers as well as NASA and the United States Air Force have placed in us. Overview of the Incident Yesterday, at SpaceX's Launch Complex 40 at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, an anomaly took place about 8 minutes in advance of a scheduled test firing of a Falcon 9 rocket. The anomaly on the pad resulted in the loss of the vehicle. This was part of a standard pre-launch static fire to demonstrate the health of the vehicle prior to an eventual launch. At the time of the loss, the launch vehicle was vertical and in the process of being fueled for the test. At this time, the data indicates the anomaly originated around the upper stage liquid oxygen tank. Per standard operating procedure, all personnel were clear of the pad. There were no injuries. To identify the root cause of the anomaly, SpaceX began its investigations immediately after the loss, consistent with accident investigation plans prepared for such a contingency. These plans include the preservation of all possible evidence and the assembly of an accident investigation team with oversight by the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, and participation by NASA, the United States Air Force, and other industry experts. We are currently in the early process of reviewing approximately 3,000 channels of telemetry and video data covering a time period of just 35 to 55 milliseconds. As for the launch pad itself, our teams are now investigating the status of SLC-40, Space Launch Complex 40. The pad clearly incurred damage, but the scope has yet to be fully determined. We will share more data as it becomes available. SpaceX currently operates three launch pads, two in Florida and one in California at Vandenberg Air Force Base. SpaceX's other launch sites were not affected by yesterday's events. Space Launch Complex 4E at Vandenberg Air Force Base is in the final stages of an operational upgrade and Launch Complex 39A at Kennedy Space Center remains on schedule to be operational in November. Both pads are capable of supporting Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavy launches. We are confident the two launch pads can support our return to flight and fulfill our upcoming manifest needs. Again, Our number one priority is to safely and reliably return to flight for our customers, as well as to take all the necessary steps to ensure the highest possible levels of safety for future crewed missions with the Falcon 9. We will carefully and thoroughly investigate and address this issue. So, a a very clear, pretty well thought out, and... uh, surprisingly detailed update from SpaceX. And I say surprisingly because, you know, with any government program, even NASA included, you're not going to be given this much information on on a first try. Um, You know, it's – we're going to wait until we figure out, you know, what's going on. You're going to have to kind of dig a little bit to figure out, you know, you'll have to go to different websites and people who are in the industry to figure out, you know, okay, what are the little nitty-gritty details what's going on but let's quickly go back through those and maybe talk a little bit more about each thing you know i mean one of the first things they were stating was really the the SpaceX business itself and some people may think that's boastful talking about how they have 70 missions and that the manifest is worth over 10 billion dollars but a very very interesting thing that i caught that happened instantaneously at the time the Falcon 9 exploded and it was leaked onto the internet and then to the news on the TV and to the world. They need to re- restate these things because it is a business. You know, it's not a federal agency. It is a business. It has customers. It has to do this. But more importantly than that, it it is a, a business at the forefront of, of a brand new type of industry that's going on, this private industry. But it is also linked directly to one person, Elon Musk. Now, even though it's not a publicly funded company, the fact that it is tied so closely to Elon Musk, who is an entrepreneur who has many companies at the forefront, you know, one of which, the point I'm trying to make here, Tesla Motors, or I guess Tesla now. um, If you look at the stock for Tesla Motors, all right. If you just Google TSLA, which is the um, the stock name for Tesla Motors, okay, and you go back to last week, so Wednesday, right, at around the, the end of the day for the stock exchange, right, the stock was at two twelve. Two hundred and twelve dollars and one cents, right? At four PM on Wednesday. At ten AM on Thursday, it dropped to two hundred and seven dollars and sixty one cents. And by ten thirty it had already dropped to two oh three and twenty two cents. That's that's a that's about a a nine dollar drop in an hour. Which by it kept it kept dropping until the end of the week, okay? It kept dropping until it hit a low of around one hundred ninety-six dollars and eighty-six cents. That's the low I'm just seeing. If you just Google it real quick, so it dropped from two hundred twelve dollars to one hundred ninety-six and eighty-seven cents. A company that's not even related. It's it's not in the space industry. It's just an industry that is connected to Elon Musk, and because of that connection and that rocket blowing up, the stock of a different company dropped by that much. So th- this is this it, it, it's it's a crazy thing. You're you're never gonna see with any of these. I, I don't think you're gonna see an effect like that when the United States, like the Nasdaq's not gonna drop. $20 in stock price from uh, NASA blowing up a rocket. It's not going to happen. So it, it, it's, it's a crazy, weird thing that I, I just happened to have seen and, and, and wondered about and just caught it. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And this is because they are interlinked with this one entrepreneur. You know, I'm sure that if uh, uh, Richard Branson, I would actually like to see, did Virgin, uh, Virgin Records, did Virgin Records take a hit when uh, Virgin Galactics, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the, but when when their space plane, spaceship one, when spaceship one went down, they lost the one pilot and the other pilot was injured. You know, did they take a hit? I don't know, but it's a very, very interesting consequence of of not being a country and being a private company. You know, so basically what that's reflecting is that the confidence in Elon Musk dropped during that explosion, which is ridiculous. It's, It's a reflection of people who don't really understand what Tesla Motors which is a company that Elon helped build. Uh, some would argue uh, he, he started, um, was a founder. I would definitely say so with the money he put into it. Um, and SpaceX, which is his company through and through. But because one rocket blows up, everything that's connected to him is now taken over. Now, you can take two approaches on that. It could be that people don't understand, and they just decided to sell, 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 sell. Or they believe that because this incident happened, now Elon's focus is moved away from Tesla Motors because he now has to deal with SpaceX, which I think is an interesting point of view to take. But the company isn't dependent on Elon Musk. I mean... It's an entire company that, that, I mean, let's just, you know, let's just look it up right now. How many people are employed at Tesla Motors? (laughs) Okay, so, well, it's saying, no, that's not right. Well, I guess around 6,000 employees. So, and that's, that's probably giving a little bit more because it's an estimation. So, 6,000 people, let's just say, for the sake of argument, right? 6,000 people. And if one person leaves to go deal with another problem, the whole company's going to suffer? No, I don't think so. It's not like everyone's sitting there like, please, tell me what to do. Please, I'm pretty sure there's a plan and they're working on it. I mean, they have plenty to do with the, gig- the Gigafactory that's going up in Nevada, and never mind all the other things they've got going on. So it- it's, just, it's just a very weird, weird coincidence, and I want to point that out. It's been kind of bugging me all week, um, but something to look out for. Um, I guess it's safe to say that if another rocket does explode in the future with uh, SpaceX, that you're going to see something similar. But that should not reflect whether you believe that SpaceX is going to succeed from this. Now, one of the other things that's definitely important to talk about is the place that this anomaly originated. If you look at the video, you can actually tell very, very clearly that at the upper part of the rocket, where the upper stage liquid oxygen tank is, you can actually see that's where the explosion occurs. Now, I'm not 100% sure where the loading of the fuel happens. My guess is it happens at the bottom. I I don't know. It, it could happen at various... There could be multiple points where the fuel is injected, or um, it could be at the very top and then it floats down to the bottom. I, I don't know, but... Um I've haven't seen I'll preface this, I have not been to any rocket launches, and I have only watched a few rocket explosions, but I have never seen one explode that quickly in that spot. Um so it's gonna be very interesting to find out what they find is the root cause of this anomaly. You know, what what happened, what occurred. Um it's it's interesting to point out that SpaceX is adamant about saying it was a pad anomaly and not a Falcon 9 anomaly. Um, you could definitely argue that that's to protect the fact that it wasn't their rocket until they know, but um, I'm going to give SpaceX the, uh, <laughs> the go-ahead on this because uh, they choose their language very carefully and... Uh, I know they have some idea of what 's going on, and that 's why they would put out an update in the first place so there 's going to be more to come out from that. Uh, the other very important thing to talk about is is where they 're looking in this thirty five to fifty five millisecond time period you know they 're looking through they 're reviewing three thousand channels of telemetry and video data, which uh, I can only take as being uh, data from the rocket, from, you know, where it's supposed to be. Did it move? Um, what were the values of voltage going through flow lines and valves? Um, what, what were, uh, the current conditions of the different mechanical parts on board? Was there a software glitch? Um, was there, um, something else that happened on the pad itself? I, I, can only imagine that they have data, live data coming out from everything that's going on with the pad to show. Okay, what's going on? You know, and the other thing too, this video data that have data. I just can't say data today. The video data that they have um, is not only do they have video constantly watching these things, but they have very high def video that has many m- millions of frames for all the stuff that they're taking. So to look through 35 to 55 milliseconds, I I mean, unless it was a bolt of lightning, I don't think you're going to need any more than that. You're going to be able to tell what it is. And the great thing about SpaceX is once they do find out what it is, they will broadcast it. They will show it. Because there's no reason in in the space game to hide your failures. And I think it's one of the great things that SpaceX can do is is to rise from the ashes of their failure. And you know that their engine, they have some of the brightest, smartest, most driven people working here. You know, these people, from what I've heard, they work hours that are just unheard of. I mean, 60-hour weeks are the average, you know, if you think a 40 hour work week is your average, you're, it's laughable. I mean, 60 hours is what is expected of you at the minimum. You know, uh, you know, I've read a few books on, on Elon Musk. One of the best ones is one I've talked about before. It's, it talks about the, the, The perseverance and the dedication that these people have to have, you know, um, missing uh, a child being born, um, working nonstop, you know, doing 12 hour days or never leaving the office. Just putting working every Saturday as if it's just another work day. You know, these are things that that it, it's it, the interesting thing about SpaceX that it has that it can mirror from NASA is that the people that are working there not just want to be there. They would do anything to be there. This is their passion. They, and, and like the NASA of old, where it had a very clear statement, like putting a man, putting man on the moon, there is a very clear message coming out of SpaceX You know, one of the loudest ones is getting us to Mars. The other one is redefining the space industry, revolutionizing it, making space flight affordable and reusable. You know, it's not just someone going in there saying, hey, Fred, hey, Bob, how's it going? Ah, not much. Uh, Just about to head out of here. Uh, Just wanted to say, uh, you know, hope you had a good day. How's the wife? You know, no, there's none of that shit. Okay, I'm sure there's pleasantries, but these people are talking about their work in casualties, in, not in casualties. <laughs> I'm trying to say casual talkings. I'm just making up words. I do that a lot, if you, if you weren't aware. So, I, I just want to reiterate that this group of people are going to figure out, they've been through hell and back, the people that have worked at this company. The the company started on failure. It didn't have a successful launch for a very long time. A lot shorter in however many different countries have tried. But they've gotten through it. They've figured it out. They're not this is failure is just something they've already done. They know how to get through it. And they have some of the smartest and brightest people in the industry who are going to come and help because regardless of whether you like Elon Musk, whether you like the fact that, uh, you know, they're, they're shaking up the business. It's very exciting what they're doing. And for this to be a pad anomaly, is is very interesting, and we're gonna find out very, very soon. Hopefully, by the time the next episode comes out, uh, Sunday, uh, I'm sorry, Monday, uh, we will find out. Hopefully, where the fault lies, you know, did did a mechanical part fail, did did something else go wrong that nobody saw coming, and more importantly, because they are. Engineers and because they want to make sure this never happens again. There will be something put in place to prevent this from happening. Whether it means that SpaceX has to go out and create a part by itself. Manufacture something by itself. People will work endless hours. And put in so much effort that their brains hurt every fucking moment. They will figure out a way. They will make it happen, and they'll be better for it. Now, the other thing that's very important to talk about is the fact that the pad itself was damaged. I mean, if you saw the explosion, you know that the launch tower itself was almost basically burned to the ground. So there's going to be some work, I'm sure there's work being done already to fix that. Uh, You know, someone uh, that I know... uh, a, uh, a colleague of mine who works in Florida right now, uh, around Kennedy Space Center, was working nearby. Felt the building shake from the explosion. It's just insane. Which also brings into question, you know, the space launch complex. There are other missions going on. More notably, the Osiris Rex mission that we talked about. A few two episodes ago, that's launching, the launch window opens September 8th, so Thursday of this week, tomorrow. Luckily, there was no damage found from it, but it's definitely something to think about, like, you know, a failure on a launch pad, uh, you know, uh, a unexpected explosion, uh, anomaly, the vocabulary being used, uh, an anomaly like that, could actually ruin future missions or missions being worked on at the moment. You know, uh, there's the sensitive equipment that's being used on these missions. The the optics, the lasers, the god, all the sensitive sensitive sen- sensors. Wow, that that's really really Alex, that's sensitive sensors. Anyways, I think you get my point that there's a lot of expensive equipment on there that could have been damaged from this. So, you know, it's another thing that brings everybody together. You know, uh, the, the air force, NASA and other industry experts. We don't want this to happen. Nobody wants this to happen. And a great thing about SpaceX is if they can figure out how to prevent this from happening in the future, everybody succeeds. Everybody wins. So there is a lot of good to take from this. A lot of good. So stick with us. Stick with SpaceX. Do not lose hope. You know, SpaceX is a company that has beaten defeat. And when they do come out the other side, they come out stronger and better than they were before. In fact, I would make the case that failure is what's going to get us to Mars. Failure is the thing that's going to get us to live in space. The successes are grand and and fantastic and we can enjoy them. But we don't really get anywhere unless we make failure, unless failure happens to us. So although it's been viewed as, you know, a really funny thing to, to joke about and even in the stock exchange, a company not even related to space can take a hit because of a failure. It's temporary. And everyone who's running for the hills and is saying it's all over, then you're missing out on one of SpaceX's most valuable assets, which is what it can do in the face of adversity. So good luck to everyone at SpaceX. Good luck to everyone at NASA, in the Air Force who's helping out. Let's figure out what this was and move on to bigger and better things. And hopefully, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the M06 Or even the Facebook satellite that was destroyed in the launch. But they were aware of the risks when they got into it. They will bounce back. They will figure out a way to get back into this. And we'll all be right as rain later. All right? The night is dark as just before the dawn. All right, folks? So look forward to what we're going to find out, hopefully, before next episode. In other orbital news, let's talk about the OSIRIS-REx mission, which uh, really has had uh, uh, two big things almost uh, get in its way. You know, you had Hurricane Hermine, which just passed over, um, luckily has passed by Florida. So uh, it's not it's no longer impeding the launch for this mission, uh, you know, and then as we just talked about the SpaceX mission, um, the explosion potentially um, disrupting the mission or potentially ruining some equipment because it was only two kilometers away. But NASA has looked over it and has told everybody, nope, in the aftermath, there was no effect on the OSIRIS-REx mission and the preparations. So it looks like that on September 18th, uh, the launch, the two-hour launch window opens at 7.05 Eastern Daylight Time, which um, I think the the launch should be at around 9.05 p.m.? Let's see here. I'm confused only because the OSIRIS-REx page, asteroidmission.org, says that the countdown to the launch is a day and 38 minutes from now, which is 8.26 p.m. on Wednesday, which means it's probably, yeah, that's 9.05, right? Yeah. So 9:05 Eastern Time, uh the Osiris Rex mission will be launching. So again, this mission's going to be so cool. I mean, just to give you a quick recap, this mission is a mission to go orbit the asteroid Bennu, which has some of the earliest ingredients of what our universe, what our solar system was composed of when it was created, which gives us an idea of what ingredients were there for us to happen, for life to happen, for you to be listening to me on this radio wave, for the first, in you know, this on-internet wave or signal podcast that you guys are listening to. The fact that a podcast is even in existence. The ingredients for that, all of that life and inspiration and innovation and All those things. We can actually figure out what made a solar system potentially have life, which then gives us the chance to go look for it elsewhere, other than just figuring out our origins and where we came from. But more than that, it's going to be collecting that soil samples that we can then return it back to Earth, which is something we've never done before. It's a seven-year mission. And it's going to use the satellite's arm and a little, uh, basically, on the end of an arm, uh, uh, I guess the best way to say it is a like a big kind of suction cup, but it's not suctioning. It's actually blowing nitrogen gas once it touches the surface of Bennu. And then it's going to filter out um, the gas as it's leaking through. Um, and I actually looked on... The Osiris Rex Twitter page. They were doing questions the other day, and someone asked about how much of the sample was actually coming back. I think it was it was Rome Strock, um, the Romanator R O M N 8 T R on Twitter, uh, and he asked, you know, what was the quality of the sample, and it's greater than or equal to sixty grams or four tablespoons of brown sugar is not a lot but it's enough for us to do enough samples to figure out what is the composition you know but not only that we're going to be laser scanning the entire asteroid itself and taking thermal readings and figuring out what is going on with this asteroid how is its orbit degrading because all orbits do degrade and how is the heat from the sun as it passes by and the cooling of that as well manipulating that degradation of that orbit. Because every six years or so, the orbit comes back by Earth. And if it's since it's degrading, it actually comes closer and closer to Earth. And in the late 22nd century, it's going to pass by awfully close. Actually, so much so that one of the primary missions of this OSIRIS-REx satellite Is to analyze that orbit so we can understand If this would be an issue Do we need to prepare for the fact That the asteroid Bennu may impact Earth So it's a very, very important mission uh, One that I hope to be a a larger part of in the future I'm going to be applying to be an OSIRIS-REx ambassador and you can hope to hear a lot more about Osiris-Rex during the next seven years. I can guarantee you that. Um, it's going to take a little while for it to get there in the first place. And, but at the end of those seven years, we'll have returned samples back to Earth in the Utah desert. I mean, how incredible is that? That's shit that's never been done before. So we'll talk more about the mission. Uh, Hopefully it launches before next episode. Uh, The weather seems uh, very good for launch on Thursday. Uh, There's only a 20% chance of the weather impeding launch. And uh, Godspeed the entire OSIRIS-REx team, and uh, I wish you luck. Uh, The sky's the limit, and uh, what you guys are doing is is amazing. If you haven't checked out the website, go to asteroidmission.org and check out the whole page. I mean, they've done a fantastic job of, of number one, just explaining the mission. I mean, and it's not, you know, you may be skeptical. You may think, I don't know if I can just read through all that stuff. They've done a a great job of a complete interactive mission display from the time it launches and throughout the whole mission from it going there, explaining how the orbits are connected and, and how the spacecraft is going to get there what it's going to do when it gets there, and how it's going to return back to Earth, and the images they use are high def. They they're interactive. They move. It, it's it's animations. It, it's they've done a really great job, and it I I beseech you, go check it out. It's incredible work, and uh, can't wait to see what happens on Thursday. Now one of the more spectacular things that happened this week since our last episode was kind of glossed over with the whole SpaceX incident and it shouldn't be because it's fucking incredible like most of the shit we talk about here but we have to talk about Kate Rubens the one of the most amazing astronauts I've ever followed honestly she is a freaking incredible human being who's doing amazing things and in the past Week, she has sequenced DNA in space for the first time ever. Now, why is that important? It is a good question to ask. (laughs) Why am I so out of my mind excited about this? You know, at first, it's it's number one. It's I I have a few friends who are geneticists, uh, and the importance of DNA. I mean, it, it is the cookbook of life. It is the cookbook of all things. It is the ingredients. It is the instructions. It is the big manual of switches and levers and valves and all those things of what make us and all living organisms possible. So sequencing DNA has since the 1970s been a huge thing for us here on Earth, you know, between finding um, different drugs to help um, cure, I guess, in, in one of the videos I was reading, maladies, which I'm not even sure what the correct definition of maladies is, but different drugs to help us cure certain diseases, certain problems, help us address what's going on with our own bodies, what is happening with our bodies, you know, RNA helps us figure out what's going on at the time. Um, But there's plenty of other things between, you know, crime fighting itself has, has been huge, you know, being able to figure out who actually committed a crime, and more importantly, finding out who's been wrongly accused of a crime. You know, crazy, crazy things like that. And being able to identify certain parts uh, of uh, certain types of life, where they evolved from, and what they are. DNA is, is hugely important, and in space, there's a lot of things that DNA can help us do. You know, number one, I think one of the more applicable places for it is with astronaut health. I mean, astronaut health is something we're looking into from many different aspects because we're starting to push the boundaries of where we're pushing human beings to be in microgravity where we're not supposed to be you know and to understand that better is a huge huge thing going forward you know we need to know number one if we're sending these people to a death trap you know i mean even if they come back uh, are they going to be you know able to recover from from the microgravity or can we learn enough about what's going on in the human body through the through their dna to be able to understand how we can contradict that just like we've created these medical advances to help you know reverse or prevent or minimize the different things that the body is doing in reaction to a disease and the reaction to uh you know um what's the word i'm looking for uh Mutations in the DNA or or things that just didn't work right. You know, there's a lot that can be done there. And one of the biggest things is, is this min-ion DNA sequencer that was brought to the International Space Station thanks to a SpaceX Dragon capsule uh, in July of this year. So this sequencer is about the size of, I would probably say like a Snickers bar or a Milky Way. You know, it's a small, small thing, which these sequencers are usually the size of like a kitchen appliance, like I guess a microwave. Um, they're, they're large and they take a lot of power, but this thing plugs into a laptop and is super, super tiny. And so what they're doing from an experimental aspect is they're checking the DNA in rodents, in bacteria, and in viruses. And they're doing that both on the station and they're doing that on earth so that they can compare the results. You know, because ultimately we need to figure out is gravity a play in DNA and more importantly in the sequencing of DNA. But as that badass biologist Kate Rubens found out that and completed that it can be done. She successfully sequenced DNA in space. So this is going to be hugely important going forward. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that we could go into, but to keep it short, I want to, I also want to keep it relatively scientific uh, and not just complete ramps, but um, I'm going to quote here from the, space station blog here on nasa.gov. With a way to sequence DNA in space, astronauts could diagnose an illness or identify microbes growing in the International Space Station and determine whether or not they represent a health threat. A space-based DNA sequencer would be an important tool to help protect astronaut health during long-duration missions on the journey to Mars, and future explorers could also potentially use technology to identify DNA-based life forms beyond Earth. So, one of the more important things I want to touch on, too, is the way we're doing it now. If we're going to sequence anything DNA-wise, we need to send it back down to Earth in order to do that. And that's expensive because you also need to send something up to then bring it back down, which, as we've been brutally made aware of, once again, space travel is not a guarantee. Things can happen. And... That's a very expensive proposition to make a test for, you know, especially since a lot, uh, you know, a lot of this science is 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 brutally dependent on funding. And with space travel being as unguaranteeable as it is and how funding is scarce to come by in the first place, wanting to just run an experiment on the microbes growing in the iss which we we've, we've got to talk about the iss is, is is a fantastic place and it recycles what is it like 85% of all the water like they literally um like recycle piss so that they can drink it and they do a great job of making it reclaimable and drinkable and safe but there's also Tons of microbial life just floating around inside the station. I mean, it has filters to filter out the air. But there's actually fungi and 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 things growing on the station. And it's part of the reason this investigation is even being looked into is that, you know, we need a way to, on the station, see... The DNA of, of the microbial life being grown there and say do we need to do something about this is this okay like or do we need to figure out a way to get rid of this because this is not good for the astronaut's health you know in the worst case scenario the ISS could become a walking quarantine zone I'm sorry an orbiting quarantine zone you know I mean that ain't good that's not good and you know not only that, it, it lets science on the ISS, DNA, genetic science, become agile in space. And what do I mean by agile? I mean agile as in it can happen on the space station. It doesn't require a launch and a landing to finish the science. And then, you know, scientists taking it to a lab, following procedures, going through lists, to, you know, list, 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 list. With this min-ion... science is going to be able to be done quickly and efficiently by the astronauts on board. So let's just take a scenario like an Armageddon-esque situation where or an Apollo 13-esque situation where all of a sudden um, the air quality or the water quality uh, starts becoming an issue. The astronauts start getting sick. There's no craft on board that can take them back. There's no Um, there's no lifeboats on board the ISS. There's only what they have available to them and a launch isn't coming for a while. What are they going to do? How are they going to be able to work the problem? How are they going to be able to figure out what the problem is? Well, a device like this gives us the problem to do that. And let's, let's shoot forward to another totally different situation where, We end up going to Mars and potentially finding life, or what could be life. How are we going to get it back? We would have to put it in some kind of capsule that needs to be kept away and made sure it's not, you know, it's kept sterile and not... Infected by any other life So that we're not reading and saying Oh, there's life here But then realizing, you know Someone sneezed on it You know, or or someone's, you know uh, Skin flakes got on it You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, we found life And it's Bob? Why is your DNA here? Um, y- y- you know, like th- this, this gives us a chance to do this This kind of Very, very important and an incredible science of DNA, which, again, is the manual. It's the playbook of life. And it gives us an incredible picture and lets us work the problem more than a lot of other things that we can say for, you know, and then shoot even further ahead. If we're going to analyze life, if we're going to do the Star Trek-esque Go where no one has gone before. We're going to need to be able to analyze life. On board. You know if we want a tricorder. This. What is it Minion device. Is going to be built into that tricorder. You know the future is endless. I mean this kind of experiment is. The future and. Kate Rubin's. For conducting the science perfectly, I mean, it's it's a stretch. I right? no no science is conducted perfectly, but she conducted the science successfully, and having a biologist like her on board, with her understanding and her operational skills, and she's she's amazing and wonderful. And I'm just I'm just glowing with her. I, I apologize, uh, she's awesome. I love her. And thank you so much, Kate, for what you did. Uh and and the future of DNA and genetic science is ripe, man. And I can't wait to have my geneticist friends back on. And uh we're gonna talk about the possibilities of that. My God, I, I'm 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 an aerospace engineer, I'm not a geneticist, so I'm gonna need some help with this. So uh we'll we'll be having them back on. And we will definitely be talking about space DNA, gathering DNA in space. What is it like to gather DNA on Earth? And learn a lot more about that. Because I can't do it the justice it deserves. But Kate Rubens did. In space. Woohoo! Alright, so before we end the episode, I do want to cover one of the other incredible things that happened this week that's definitely worth noting. The Rosetta mission that we've covered since day one here of the podcast the Philae Lander um we had pretty much written it off you know it ran out of power and nobody ever knew where the Lander ended up or what what the situation was with the Lander it ran out of power and for it to regain power was just unlikely so the Rosetta mission was coming to a close and we, we talked about it when it was finally ending, and amazingly, just before the end of the mission, right before they were about to shut down, the Rosetta mission captured a picture on the, asp- on the comet, 67P, and in that image managed to grab the Philae lander on the comet, There's a picture of it. There's a great uh, GIF on the Today in Space podcast page on Facebook. But the Planetary Society put together a great GIF where it, it it takes the picture and it zooms in to where you can actually see the Philae lander. It looks like it's on its side. I mean, it did hop and bounce twice on its landing, you know, and there it is on the comet you know and and it's a really important thing because it it helps the mission team for the European Space Agency prove through pictures that it actually did land and that it actually is there and that they successfully did land on a comet you know uh, it's one thing to have data and for it to communicate back and you know that's great but there's always be some skepticism and in their final minutes it seems, of their mission at Comet 67P, they managed to find a visual image of it. So it's it's a great, great moment for the European Space Agency. And uh, congratulations to that whole team. I mean, the, the mission couldn't have had really any more success than it already did. They successfully landed on a comet the first time this had ever been done. And their... The complexity of the scientific approach and trajectories and orbits and and all the things that the Rosetta spacecraft did to orbit the comet and conduct all the science that it did, as well as conduct the search for the Philae lander, which was not in their original plans. And there's a great video out there that shows all the different moves that the Rosetta spacecraft made around the comet and the approaches and the scientific paths and the flybys and the oh my god it's a thing of beauty when you think about it what they've been able to do with that mission on the fly on the go you know not most of which was even planned and that whole team should be incredibly proud of their achievements and to be able to snap a picture of their lander right before the mission ends is just icing on the cake. So congratulations to the whole team. Did a great job. You've done every, you've done the human race proud. So we'll finish out this week's episode. Uh, I know I didn't get to the, uh, look up for this week and I didn't do a 3d printing update this week either. We will be doing both on Monday's episode. So look out for those. But in the meantime, thank you for listening We'll be back next week with a new episode, and uh, just have a great week, everybody, okay? Um, Spread love, spread science, and go out there and make it happen, okay? Love you guys. See you next week.